Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Tooth and Claw. Today we're talking about cobras. Now, this story, this one's a little different from everything that we've covered on the show up until now, and you'll see why once we get into it, but there's a lot of a lot of intrigue, a lot of dastardly evil. Uh, I don't want to make light of it, especially since this one did happen very recently, just within the past couple of months, but yeah, Wes prepared a really good story for you and has a lot of really cool information to share about the cobra. So, without any more talking, well actually a little more talking, I wanted to thank everyone who has taken the time to go leave us a nice rating and a review over on Apple Podcasts. At this point, it really is kind of the number one thing, besides just, you know, telling your friends and family about us, that's the number one thing that's helping us grow at this point. So, if you haven't done that, uh, we don't judge. We'll just kindly invite you to go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. Hopefully a good one, but you know what? We're not going to tell you what to do or how to live. All right, let's get to the show. Let's go. Welcome, everyone, to the Tooth and Claw podcast. We're a podcast that talks about animal attacks. And nice. we, we like to tell people the funs, you know, the stories behind these attacks because they are interesting. We also like Were to tell them. Were you about to say fun? I was about to say fun. They're not always fun. Today's yeah. is not very fun. <laughs> Normally not very fun. Uh, <laughs> but we want people to learn from these attacks so they can prevent mm-hmm. them and to learn, you know, about animal behavior and why the animals would even attack in the first place. Because usually... It's something the person's doing wrong. Yeah, I've had a few people ask, why don't we do more interviews with people who have been attacked by animals? Yeah. You gave the first answer to this, but it's a really good answer. Just part of our whole purpose is to say what people could have done to be safer and like what they did wrong. Yeah. And that's a little awkward if they're telling us the story. Yeah, it's a little hard for someone to tell us the story and then for me to be like, Okay, here's what you did wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It just it just brings a, a level of complication to it that we're frankly just don't want to we don't want to bring in and we're a little too lazy. So, hey, Wes. And yeah. we're shy. We don't we like meeting new people. We hate meeting new people. I wanted to bring up something that me and Mike have been talking about and we've brought it up to you but I just can't believe I'm still talking about this. So, do you think anyone in Johnny Depp's life has ever called him Johnny Dump to his face? Uh, (laughs) I don't think so. You don't think anyone's ever said Johnny Dump? I don't. To his face. Because Mike says he's been asking a lot of people ever since, like, I told him I don't think so. And Uh everyone always answers, yes, someone's called him that. I, but, like, the more I think about it... I I don't think... Mike's the only one that I've ever used dump as, like, a... Mike uses like a, dump a hundred times right. more than any other person. Yeah, so I just don't think anyone's ever called him Johnny Dump. I really don't. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Right. So, usually people's responses, probably Amber Heard did. Maybe. Called him Johnny Dump. I just like I feel like yeah. she wouldn't call like him Like, she that. was so mad that that's what she came up with. I'm just, I'm reporting the facts. I asked around, and this these are <laughs> this is not, not my thought. That's a, these, that's a survey. Because Statistics, when he asked then. you the first time, Wes, your, like, immediate response was yes. And then I was like, hold on, Wes, you really think someone called him Johnny Dump? Right. And you and thought, about, thought about it, it. and like, you were like, no. 
<laughs> I don't think I'd ever heard someone call anyone dump until I met you, Mike. You remember the Simpsons episode when Marge and Homer are talking about what they want to name yes. Bart? And they go through all the potential names and Homer's like, no, we can't name him this. They'll right. All the other kids will make fun of him. There's no way Johnny Depp made it all the way through elementary school. And some bully didn't call him Johnny Dope. Maybe. I, I think someone's probably called him like Johnny Derp before. That makes more really? sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, I want to... It wanna... is four letters and starts with... They both start with D. They do. And end with P. And it's kind of like a slant rhyme. I'm going to yeah. give it like a 50-50 Why don't... Chance. We'll do a poll on Instagram and ask our listeners if, what they think. If anyone knows Johnny Depp... Yeah, Just please ask, ask him. him. <laughs> he Oh, I know he someone He narrated knows him. one of your videos, Wes. You should have a contact. The guys that did the Dior video know him really well, so I could ask them. Yeah. Hey, I got a question for you guys too, and it's a question Jeff recently asked me, and it fits in well with our subject today. Do you guys think anyone from House Slytherin was ever good? Because like in the books and the movies, it's always like, oh, you know, Slytherin like is all misunderstood and stuff, but there's good Slytherins. And there truly the isn't. Hat, what's the hat's name? The, the sorting hat? The sorting hat's always like, oh, lots of great wizards came from Slytherin. Yeah, and there's not. It's like, who? Yeah. <laughs> Voldemort? It's like <laughs> literally every single named character in the Harry Potter books by the end was a literal yeah, death eater. All of them. <laughs> Like as soon as Voldemort come back came back, they were like all on his side immediately. And even Snape, who was like supposed to be a hero, is pretty much a dick. He like was just obsessed with Harry Potter's mom, and that's the only reason he wasn't a Death Eater. Don't get me started on Snape. <laughs> this whole revisionist history on Snape is baffling to I just, me. This was Jeff's point. And it's true. They just all are evil. There isn't a good one in the entire... And, like, she just (laughs) never makes a convincing argument. And Dumbledore doesn't help when, like, he steals the cup from them at the end of every book. Yeah, it's like... (laughs) It's just like, a million points for Gryffindor for uh, friendship and courage. These guys are obviously (laughs) the bad guys, so we can't let them win the house cup. So here's ten more extra points for friendship. It's honestly the stupidest thing in those books and movies. And there's a lot of stupid things in those books and movies, and that's the stupidest one. I And, yeah. like, I'm a fan. I like both the books and the movies a lot. But that's a dumb, dumb thing. You know how, like, it's super popular to do the quiz, like, what house are you? Yeah. When people say, like, oh, I'm House Slytherin, it's like, okay, so you're just a dick? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when they're, like, proud of it. It's yeah. like, oh, so you're just evil. You're just a bad person. So you're person. just really mean to everyone? And you're All a bully. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, what house are you guys? Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, it usually tells me I'm a Gryffindor or a Hufflepuff. I think I got Ravenclaw yeah, last that's what time. I said for you, I, Jeff's definitely a Hufflepuff uh, without a doubt. <laughs> You're the most Hufflepuff. <laughs> yeah, person not, ever dude, I'm Slytherin to the bone. This is a great segue that I manufactured into our episode. Are we talking about snakes. We're talking about or snakes. Griffins. We're talking about snakes, and we are talking about one of my all-time favorite snakes. Probably, actually, my current favorite, the Indian spectacled cobra. Oh, wow. Are those the ones that you put on your Instagram? Yeah, they are. Another good reference would be when Indiana Jones falls into the snake pit in Raiders Lost Ark and the cobra pops up in front of him. That's a spectacled cobra, I think. Oh, okay. Maybe mm-hmm. it's a monocled cobra. It's one of I the kinda two. I kind of thought that was going to be your pop culture choice. It's not. Let me actually okay. make sure. I need to look at a photo of it really quick. 
just to make sure it's not a monocled cobra. It might this will it's, be the fastest I was wrong. correction corner ever. Yeah, correction corner, it's a monocled <laughs> cobra. Spectacled, it, it has the one spot on its back, back of its hood, and spectacled cobras have two spots. Anyway, uh, this story was actually submitted to us by my good friend Mickey, who's a taxidermist that works in Chicago. She also makes a lot of really cool crafts and stuff. Mm. But Mickey recently became a super fan of the podcast and has been sending me lots of stories that she thinks would be good entries. And I really appreciate it. And honestly, if any other listeners feel like sending us stuff that they think we should cover, go ahead. What I would recommend, though, is usually the stories that make it to main episodes need some sort of narrative. So if it's just like a little tiny short article you found, that's more something that might make one of our news episodes, but probably not a main episode. Hop into like a bear cage at a zoo or something. Yeah, go we'll create you on hey, the go create content for, sure. for us. Yeah. <laughs> we'll let you know when we're running out of good yeah. ones and we'll slip you a little something <laughs> on the side, like a free T-shirt. All right. So this story actually just recently happened. Uh, it happened in India, and it involves oh. a murder. Jeff? Sorry, this is out of place a little bit, but I've had a few people get confused on our Instagram because they think only patrons can buy merchandise from us because that's like the only link we can put on our bio and Instagram. Uh, yeah. But we do have our own separate website where anyone can buy merch. Just going yeah. off mic saying free shirt. We'll fix that. Sorry, that's the wrong yeah. time to play. No, that. it's all right. We'll, we'll <laughs> fix that problem here probably today. I'll fix it. So now that, you know, can I get back to the story, Jeff? Do you got any other tangents <laughs> that you want to launch into right now that are completely uh, unrelated? No, I don't. Oh. Well, maybe got get, sta- get started and then I'll see. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure you will. Okay. So this is quite the story. A lot of our episodes, I like all of our stories. It's always really interesting to me. This one, when I first read it, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I've been really excited to tell this one. This may be our last full-length episode of this year that has a whole story and everything. So I really wanted to save this one for a good time, and I think this is a perfect time to tell it. Are you guys ready? Can we get into it? Yeah, I'm ready. On pins and needles. All right. So in 2018, Suraj Kumar and Uthra, all the articles I had didn't have a last name for her, and I don't think she even has a last name. Her name's just Uthra. They met through a marriage broker. So essentially, that's a matchmaking service in India that uses professional matchmakers to arrange marriages. You may be aware that arranged marriages are a thing in India, and this is just kind of the 2020 iteration of that, or 2018 in this case. So there's like an app that you can just get on and get paired to get married. With yeah, you hire you hire a broker and you like essentially like submit resumes to them and then they comb through all these different resumes and they give you applicants and you can like it's very like business like, but it's a way that people find partners. It's really hard for me not to get off on a side tangent <laughs> yeah. on that because okay. that's super interesting, but yeah. let's just keep it moving. All right, we're going to keep it moving. So, they met through this matchmaking service. Suraj, the man, he came from a humble background. His father was a rickshaw driver. His mom was a stay-at-home mom. So they really didn't have much money at all. And in 2018, he met Uthra as he worked for, he was like a collections agent for a local bank in the southern Indian state of Kerala. But Suraj had this deep-seated desperation for more money and more wealth, and he was willing to do anything to get it. Uthra, on the other hand, came from a much wealthier family in that area, and she did actually suffer from a learning disability that made finding her a partner a bit more complicated. 
So her family really wanted Uthra to be with someone that appreciated her sweet disposition and could give her the kind of care that her disability required. Um, as how, I combed through, how severe of a learning disability do you know? I was about to say, as I combed through these articles, I couldn't get any really good information on that. But I know that she needed a lot of care. Okay. I don't think it was that severe, but I think it was one that impeded her daily life. I don't want to say that for sure, but I think it was one that affected her, but it wasn't necessarily something you would immediately notice. Okay. So when the matchmaking service found Suraj... They were impressed with his hardworking attitude and the apparent care that he was willing to give for Uthra. And so they matched these two, and Uthra's father offered Suraj a dowry. So dowry is essentially uh, something that the father of the woman gives the husband to make the whole thing more attractive, which again is like a pretty antiquated thing. But that's, that's just how it's done over there. So she offered him a dowry of roughly, or he, the father of Uthra, offered Suraj a dowry of roughly $40,000 in gold. This is in U.S. dollars. $6,000 in cash, a new Suzuki car, and $130 a month to take care of Uthra. So a pretty impressive dowry from what I could gather, especially considering his humble background. So he yeah. jumped on it, and they were married soon after. Oh, so she she ended up being a real human woman? What do you mean? It wasn't like a cobra catfishing him over this no. app or something? Yeah, keep guessing what it is, <laughs> but that's not what it was. <laughs> All right, we'll get there. So they got married, but unfortunately, Suraj was not the caring man that they had hoped for. Uh, in actuality, he was about as evil and as cowardly as people come. He's so, House Slytherin. Uh, yeah, he was definitely House Slytherin. The first few months of married life seemed pretty uneventful. Her family described it as just being somewhat normal. Within a year, they had a son, but it wasn't long before Suraj's parents actually wanted more. So his parents demanded that Uthra's parents pay for some of their household appliances, pay for a car for them, furniture, renovation work, and admission fees for an MBA course for his sister. So like his parents now are making a bunch of demands as well. And Uthra's parents... From everything I read, they seem like they're really good people, and they actually decided to meet the demands, and Uthra asked them to meet the demands, and her brother Vishu said that she was someone who never saw bad in anyone, and her learning disability meant that she didn't have the means to see that she was being used. So he was definitely Mm -hmm. taking advantage of the fact that his wife just wanted to like make him happy and had this learning disability and was unable to see that he was using her for her wealth. Well, you can already kind of tell it's like whatever they end up giving him isn't going to be enough. Like right. he's always going to want. He's always going to want more. Exactly. So even after having all of his demands met, Suraj soon grew tired of taking care of his wife and he started allegedly spending time with other women. So in my mm-hmm. mind, like a decent person in that situation is simply going to realize that they're in over their head. They maybe aren't able to take care of this person who has these learning disabilities and get divorced, like just, you know, get out of that relationship. Is that culturally a lot more looked down upon there? So I don't know if if culturally it's like that big of a deal for them to get divorced, but what would happen is if he got divorced, he would have no claim over this wealth anymore. He'd have to return yeah. his dowry. He didn't want that. And he would pretty much go back to his level of living before, his, his income class, and he didn't want right. to do that. So... He knew that he wanted out of this relationship. He didn't want to take care of Uther anymore, but he didn't want to divorce her. So he started to scheme. He knew that he didn't want to be separated from all his wealth. I don't like where so, this is going. Yep. He decided he'd murder his wife. But, Jeez. Um, oh, man. 
he if he was even accused of murder, there's a good chance that he would lose all this stuff still. So he needed to make it look like yeah. an accident. <laughs> I don't think her parents would keep paying. It's weird. I looked into it, though, and it's like <laughs> they pretty much had to have some sort of... They needed to prove that he was a murderer for them to get all that stuff back. If he didn't divorce her and if she died, they like needed... The gold it, and Yeah, just like the that. suspicion that he murdered someone wouldn't be enough. So he needed to make it look like an accident. So Suraj was obsessed with snakes. She's spending hours watching videos of snake handlers and rescuers in India. So a quick little background on that. As Indian cities are growing and their communities are spreading, they're building into really great snake habitat. And as we talked about in some of their other snake episodes, the city atmosphere isn't necessarily bad for snakes. You're making lots of good habitat for rodents, for small reptiles. And those are the things that snakes eat. And then you also have lots of little hidey holes and pipes and all sorts of things for snakes to hide in. So cities actually are pretty attractive to snakes. And in India, they're having a really big influx of venomous snakes coming into towns and cities. So I have a friend, Shoyeb, who uh, works in India as a snake rescuer. He's in Bangalore. And he goes out every single day. He gets called out to people's homes when they have cobras or Russell's viper or whatever other snakes in their house. And he'll catch them, safely remove them, and then release them into an actual natural habitat area. But this is like a big industry in India. This happens every single day. Didn't you say when you are in India, he came over and just like threw two cobras on the ground? And yeah. we're like, Wes, look at these. So I, we had met through Instagram and I told him I really wanted to see a cobra. And he brought one over and showed it to me and let me capture it pretty much. Uh, and it That's was cool. one of the coolest days of my life. And we actually did it a couple of times. And it was all done like the snake wasn't overly stressed or anything. But it was a really neat experience. I'll definitely share a photo of that. But one of the more, a couple of the more memorable nights of my life were dealing with these snakes. Anyway, I had a really cool experience with one of these snake rescuers. They're really cool people. They do some amazing work. But Suraj was obsessed with watching these videos of snake rescues. So on February 26, 2020, he contacted a local snake rescuer. He asked if he could purchase a Russell's Viper that the rescuer had recently caught. He bought the snake for about $130, and his knowledge of snakes made him confident that he had just bought one of the most dangerous snakes in India. So I know we said we're going to talk about spectacled cobras, but we are going to talk quickly about Russell's Vipers, too. Uh, Yeah, let's get into it. India has the big four, which are the four snakes that are responsible for the most deaths in India, are Russell's Viper, Indian Cobra, Saw-Scaled Viper, and Common Crate. Those are the big four. That's the Mount Rushmore of venomous snakes in, in India. India. Yep. And Russell's vipers and Indian cobras are the two that are responsible for by far the most. Russell's vipers kind of look like a rattlesnake. They're like a smaller, puffed up kind of looking viper. They can actually get fairly big, but they have this kind of diamond pattern down their back. They're usually pretty brownish red colored. They are very well camouflaged. They mix in very well with like the arid environments where they typically live. They really do their best to avoid conflict, but they can strike quickly when they are threatened. That's something I wanted to touch upon really quick with snakes is I think a lot of people out there have this image of snakes hunting people, and they don't. Aside from maybe anacondas and um, uh, reticulated pythons, we aren't prey for snakes. Like They can't eat us especially a snake as small as like a Russell's viper or a cobra. 
they're not looking to eat us, so the only time they ever bite people is when they're feeling threatened. They don't want to bite us. It's wasting venom, which we've talked about in other episodes. Venom production is very energetically costly for snakes. It takes a lot to produce that venom. They don't want to waste it. So they're wasting venom. And when they bite something a lot bigger than them, there's still a really good chance that animal's going to kill them. And they inherently know that. They know that they're going to be aggravating something much bigger than them. So they, it's absolutely the last thing they want to do. So they do all sorts of things to let us know first, like cobras will pull their hood out, uh, rattlesnakes will rattle, Russell's vipers will hiss and puff up their bodies. They do everything they can to stop from biting us. They don't want to bite us. I just want to make that very clear for everyone out there. It's stupid for them to want to bite us. A lot of times, like what someone who doesn't know perceives as like aggressive behavior from a snake is actually them warning you, like, just give me some space, bro. It's a threat display and it's defensive behavior, not aggressive behavior. Exactly. So an interesting thing about Russell's vipers, though, is that a lot of venomous snakes will deliver what we call dry bites, where they bite and they don't really inject any venom, again, because Mm. venom production is very costly for them. Russell's vipers rarely do that. They almost always inject venom, and their venom is very toxic. They're responsible probably for more deaths in India than any other snake, and their venom has some really crazy effects and can have long-lasting, devastating effects on the people that don't die. So I wrote down some of the stuff that can happen when you're bitten by a Russell's viper, and it's pretty nuts. Oh, here we go. A lot of the stuff you'll see... Buckle up, Jeff. (laughs) A lot of the stuff you'll see is pretty common for viper bites. So that's stuff like intense pain that can last for weeks, bleeding, swelling, blistering, bleeding from your gums and urine, facial swelling, vomiting, Diarrhea, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Neurotoxicity, so you can have some neural problems. And then people that die from Russell Viper bites typically die from kidney failure. Now, the weird Mm. thing, about 25% of survivors show symptoms of hypopituitarism. I probably said that wrong. Another word for it is Sheehan syndrome. And it's essentially reverse puberty. So they lose their sex drive. They lose their fertility. They lose their body hair, especially their pubic hair. Men will lose their facial hair and muscles. Women lose their curves, and the condition causes them to lose weight. And some doctors even report loss of mental faculties as their condition progresses. So essentially, they go through reverse Benjamin Button bite. And that's a permanent thing? It's a permanent thing. Whoa. So that can happen in like 20 to 30% of the people. Does your voice get high again? Uh, I don't know. Probably. But it's like... That's, I'm sure there's like a spectrum within that condition. Like some of these people are probably just losing some of their pubic hair and then some of these people are going through all those things. That was a possibility. That it's reversible. I know. It's crazy. Puberty just seems like such a permanent stage of life, you know? I know. And you're going to get there one day, Jeff. I promise. (laughs) Uh, Boom. Roasted. (laughs) So it's pretty crazy. Russell's Viper's bites are pretty gnarly and they are a snake that's very feared and very respected in India. And so this is a snake that Siraj has bought, and it's a snake that he's going to try and use to kill his wife. So if your intent is to be just an evil person, did he make a pretty good choice of He snake? made a great choice, yeah. Okay. It's, when I talk to my friend Shoyeb, who does the snake rescues, he takes an extra level of caution whenever it's a Russell's Viper. Because they strike a lot faster, and they're just a scarier snake to work with. 
So on February 27, 2020, he carefully places the snake on the stairs in his house and then yells for Uthra to retrieve his phone from the first floor of their home. So his whole plan is for her to come running down the stairs, step on the snake, and get bitten. But Uthra spots the serpent and screams for help. This forces Siraj to kind of play the hero, and he catches the viper. But rather than release the snake, he pretends to throw it outside. He keeps it in a plastic bag, and a few nights later, he decides to try again. So on March 2nd, 2020, he gives his wife Uthra a bowl of sweet Indian rice pudding, but only after mixing some sedatives into the dessert. Uthra falls asleep, and Siraj places the Russell Viper onto his sleeping wife. But as we talked about already, snakes aren't just naturally going to bite things. They don't want to bite things because those big things can kill them. So it doesn't bite her. And it refuses to bite him. And he finally antagonizes it to this really high level and forces it to bite her. So then when it finally bites her, he throws the snake outside to get rid of the evidence. And she wakes up screaming in excruciating pain. As we mentioned, like Russell Viper bites are really painful. And the crazy thing about them is that that pain can last for weeks with their bites. With like rattlesnakes and stuff, you're usually out of the woods after a few days. With these guys, the pain will last and last and last and last. Anyway, he throws the snake outside to get rid of the evidence. Uthra wakes up screaming in excruciating pain. And then after like a long delay, he finally agrees to take her to the hospital. So at the hospital, he claims that she had been bitten outside while she was washing clothes the night before. And Uthra doesn't remember having washed clothes the previous night. And she's saying that's not true. But then her disability made it possible for him to convince both her and the doctors that the snake bite was a terrible mistake. So her doctors are hopeful that she's going to survive the bite. Like any other snake bite, if you get treatment quick enough, your survival rate's really high. It's very unlikely you're going to die if you get antivenom. They're hopeful that she's going to survive. And the very next day, while she's still in the hospital suffering in agony, he starts researching spectacled cobras. So, right. so he's on to step two already. Yep, he's ready to move on. I also researched spectacled evil. cobras. Yeah, and as I mentioned, guys, an, guys, an yeah. idiot. I <laughs> well, think. I mean, if you are gonna try and like make it look like an accident in India, this is a convincing way to do it. But I feel I like I guess they don't mm, suspect him, right? They, I feel like he's already kind of shot his shot, though. You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's interesting to me that like. He has no remorse yet, either. He almost just killed his wife, and, like, she's recovering. You would think the human side of him would have kicked in a little bit right now, whereas, like, the next day he's already looking yeah. at that same option again, you know? We haven't, we haven't done many stories yet where the people are bad people. Yeah. Like, I feel like almost all of our people in our stories have been good people. This dude's bad. When I read about him, I was just like, this is an evil, evil person. He'd be uh, Voldemort's right-hand man. Oh, yeah. He's a Death Eater for sure. So I know a bit about spectacled cobras. They are very common in India. They're also found in Pakistan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Bhutan, and Nepal. They're typically found in dense or open forests, plains, agricultural lands, so like rice paddies, uh, wheat crops. Rocky terrain, wetlands, they can be found in heavily populated urban areas, such as cities, villages, city outskirts, uh, and they're often found in the vicinity of water. They can grow to be up to 7 feet long, but average length is between 3 and 5 feet. They have very large impressive hoods, 
So all the cobras will have different size hoods. Spectacled cobras have really big ones. Like they go way out. They're really impressive. Oh, I like that. Yeah, they typically will only raise their hood when they're doing some sort of threat display. They have two connected circle markings on the back of their hood, which gives them their name, Spectacled Cobra. They can be gray, tan, reddish brown, or even black. The first one I saw in India was out in the wild, and it was really black looking. It was really cool. There's a great fear of cobras in India, but they're also culturally a very important and very respected animal. It has its own place in Hindu mythology as a powerful deity. So the Hindu god Shiva is often depicted with a cobra called uh, Vasuki. I might be saying that wrong, I'm sorry. Coiled around his neck, it symbolizes his mastery over the world illusion. So cobras are very popular in Hindu mythology and theology. When you're in India, you see cobra ornaments and statues and stuff everywhere. Okay, they mostly eat small mammals and reptiles and amphibians. That's a big part of why cities can be attractive spots for them. As I mentioned, they're part of the big four in India. Common crate, saw-scaled viper, spectacled cobra, Russell's viper. We're going to talk a bit about their venom now. They mostly have neurotoxic venom. It's also cardiotoxic, which means it affects their heart. Their venom acts on the synaptic gaps of the nerves that'll paralyze muscles, and uh, in severe bites, it'll lead to respiratory failure and cardiac arrest. So a couple other things that happen. Severe local pain. So as soon as they're bitten, you're going to have really bad pain around the bite, and swelling's going to start almost immediately. That pain will persist, and the swelling and tenderness will extend up the bitten limb. So this is obviously information that I got direct from a medical paper. I'm just going to kind of read it verbatim. Darking of the necrotic area of the skin and blistering are apparent by about the third day. So after three days, you're going to have necrosis, which means your skin's starting to die. You're getting blisters. And then you're going to have a characteristic putrid smell, typical of necrotic cobra bites in Africa and Asia. Early systemic symptoms include headache, nausea, vomiting, dizziness, and a feeling of lassitude, drowsiness, or intoxication. So that's a really unique thing about these cobra bites is that one of the first things people feel is super drowsy. So it says many subjects describe their drowsiness as if they'd imbibed large quantities of some potent intoxicant. So as if they're like really drunk. Neurotoxic symptoms begin with pitosis, which is the patient puckers their brow, contracting the frontalis muscle, attempting to raise the eyelids, or tilts the head back so as to see beneath the drooping upper lids. They start salivating, they can't clear their salivation or their secretions, their jaw starts sagging, and they can't open their mouth, and that progresses to respiratory paralysis. So that's like your lungs seizing up, and that's how you die, is from respiration failure. So not as fun as the Sydney funnel web spider bite. Well, it's funny you should say that. There's actually a history in India of people becoming addicted to cobra venom, and they no would pay way. snake charmers. I was going to yeah, ask. Yeah, they pay snake charmers. You were going to ask <laughs> if people were addicted to well, cobra Because it makes venom? you drowsy well, and stuff. Yeah, it just sounds like almost like an opiate yeah. in some senses. Like, right. Don't want to get too far down that road. They would, yeah, that's really, really cool. Cool's again, the wrong word. but <laughs> I know what to get Mike for Christmas. <laughs> Some cobra venom bites. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, Causes diarrhea. What, what's not to like? <laughs> well, that was the Russell's Viper. I didn't see that anywhere yeah. for cobras. But um, they are getting these bites from juvenile cobras, and it would lead to sedation, feelings of euphoria, and uh, loss of consciousness. But apparently okay. this isn't really a practice anymore that's kind of been done away with. 
but there is a history of that being done, which is pretty intense, like paying a snake charmer for a bite. He's researching this, and he kind of knows that that's what happens if you get bit by a spectacled cobra, I don't right? think so. I think his level of research is just like, these guys kill people all the time. Because I was going to say, like, it sounded like the people survive at least three days with a spectacled yeah. cobra. I think there's a lot of misinformation in India and people just see them as being much more dangerous than they actually are. And mm. like with treatment, it's like a 20 to 30 percent mortality rate without treatment. So even without okay. treatment, a lot of people survive. With treatment, it's hardly anyone dies. Like you want to get it as soon as you can treatment, but it's not like you have to get it within an hour. Yeah, you want it within an hour. Okay. <laughs> yeah, stuff really starts to set in after that. That respiratory failure for cases of severe envenomation, so when people get a lot of venom, that can happen in like three to four hours. So you really okay. want that that anti-venom quick. And I mentioned untreated cases, mortality rates generally around 20 to 30%. And in comparison, our biggest and baddest snakes, so like Western Diamondbacks and Eastern Diamondbacks, that's typically around 10%. So these guys are much more deadly than any snake we have in the U.S., aside from maybe coral snakes, but coral snakes hardly ever bite people. Okay. So roughly 45,000 people die each year from snake bites in India, making it the country that has by far the most snake bite deaths annually. Between 2000 and 2019, it's estimated that 1.2 million people died from snake bites in India. It's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. In just the last 20 years. A quick note, I think spectacled cobras are top three most beautiful animals I've ever seen up close. I just think they're unreal beautiful and cool. You think okay. they're in your top three most beautiful? I think so. I don't know. Really? When you get like That those... eliminates a lot. What, Mike? When you see those pictures that really get up close to like a snake's head, especially cobras, I was looking at it preparing for this episode. They're super pretty when you get really close they to are. them. In a weird Just way. Just like the way they're like pebbled scales are and like the design on their back and just the way they move and their hood and everything i just i really fell in love with spectacled cobras i really did mm. why don't you yeah, marry them talk to your therapist <laughs> why don't you <laughs> all right should go get addicted to snake venom <laughs> i'm addicted to snakes but not snake venom so back to our story snakes the gateway drug <laughs> uthra spent 52 days in the pushpagari Sorry, I'm I'm murdering that one. Pushpagari. Anyway, she spent 52 days in a hospital in Kerala, which is the state they lived in, recovering from the viper bite. When she was finally released to her parents' care on April 22nd, 2020, she's unable to walk. So just like, let's think about that really quick. She's in the hospital for 52 days from this Jeez. Russell's viper bite. She's had to have skin grafts. She's had to have all sorts of crazy surgeries. And she's unable to walk now. And it's really done a number on her. This Russell's Viper bite was really bad and she just barely survived. But she was released into their care. And on May 6th, just like a couple weeks later after she's gone back from the hospital, she's still recovering in bed. Her legs are bandaged from skin grafts. And Suraj decides he's going to strike again. So he contacts her parents' house? Yeah. He contacts the same snake rescuer once again and offers this time to purchase an Indian cobra or a spectacled cobra for a little more than $100. The snake once again was sold to him, and using a plastic container, he smuggles it into her parents' house. His wife is still in great pain, and that night he gives her some juice that was once again laced with sedatives. 
When she falls asleep, he throws this large venomous snake into the room and on top of her sleeping body. The cobra he had purchased was about six feet long. That's a pretty decent-sized Indian cobra. No, sorry, it's about five feet long. So once again, though, he's foiled by this relative calm demeanor of the snake that he thought would viciously lash out at anyone and anything, and the snake just slithers off of her and goes into the corner. So he tries again a second time. He, like, catches the snake. He has a pole or the hook or whatever to catch it, and he again, like, tosses it onto her, and again it just slithers off into the corner. So he's getting pretty frustrated, and this time he catches the snake with the hook, and he grabs it from behind the head, and he presses its fangs into her. Like when you see them milk snakes where they push them into the cup, that's what he does into her army, like pushes it into her and forces it to bite her twice. And by this point, like what a jerk. this snake is super aggravated, <laughs> so it's going to bite whatever he pushes it into, and it bites her twice. Yeah. Real jerk, huh, Mike? Yeah, he is. He's a big jerk. So he lets the snake go, it slithers into a shelf in the room, and it stays there all night. Suraj then gets to cleaning up the evidence. He washes the juice glass that had the sedatives in it. He destroys the stick that he used to handle the snake. And then he deletes a bunch of incriminating calls and messages on his phone. He must have spent the night in the room because when her mother comes in to see Uthra the next morning, she told the police he was there as her daughter lay on the bed, her mouth open, and her left hand dangling on one side. She asked Suraj, why didn't you check whether she was awake? To which he allegedly replied, I didn't want to disturb her sleep. So she's dead. This time it, it did work. Suraj succeeded in killing his wife. He's an awful person. So the autopsy report found two pairs of puncture wounds close together on her left forearm, and chemical analysis showed Uthra had cobra venom and sedative drugs in her system. They immediately found that she had sedatives. Now, I do think he probably could have explained that away by the fact that she was recovering from her other snake bite, and they could have been giving her sedatives to help her sleep or whatever, but they are there, and it is evidence. Yeah. Okay. So, on May 8th, the day after Uthra's death, Suresh, that's his last name, the snake handler who sold Suraj the cobra, read about her death in the local newspaper, and he tried to call Suraj, and Suraj didn't answer. And the next day, Suraj finally returned his call and told him he can't tell anyone that he'd sold him the snakes. So Suresh, <laughs> the snake handler, asked Suraj, like, why he'd oh done this. Like, he, he put the pieces together, and he's like, why'd you do this? And Suraj responded that he couldn't live with his wife anymore. And he said that if Suresh remained silent, they could pass her death off as a serpent curse, and they could both avoid being implicated in the murder. So in this part of India, serpent curse is a superstitious belief that cobras have the power to curse families who don't worship them. So he pretty much blackmails oh, wow. this dude, like says, hey, if you aren't quiet, you know, we're both going to be implicated in this. The guy could get in trouble for selling oh, for venomous sure. snakes to people. These rescuers aren't allowed to like sell snakes that they catch. And so like yeah. this guy made a big mistake selling this dude the snakes. I think he just thought he was interested in snakes. But you still can't sell venomous snakes to people. Like, it's a big no-no. It's a good rule. Like, my friend Shoyeb, who does this, he takes it very seriously. There's no way he would ever do that. So when I was reading this, I was like, this guy was really breaking a ton of rules. Okay. So Suraj starts to try and take control of the shared wealth and property that he has with his wife. Right after she dies, he's, like, asking where the gold is and where everything is that they have. 
and her family like that raises a few red flags and they start not very subtle no they're thinking that he's involved and so they ask the cops to launch an investigation which they do so on may 24th the police finally arrest suraj they conduct an 11-week investigation of his call records internet history they examined a dead cobra that was exhumed from his back garden they found a stash of sedatives in his car and evidence that he had bought not just the Cobra, but also the Russell's Viper. So this guy was a moron. Yeah, I mean, he left a lot of evidence around. And they issued charges that ran more than 1,000 pages. So at trial, more than 90 people, (laughs) including herpetologists, which are scientists that study snakes and other reptiles, and doctors testified. So there's like a ton of people that testified. And I read through a lot of these court transcripts and stuff, and they had like ironclad evidence. So, for example, the bite marks on her arm were much wider than those from a typical cobra bite, like almost twice as wide. And that suggests that the fangs have been forced down and that the cobra had pressure on the back of its head to bite. That makes sense. The time of day raised a lot of suspicion. Cobras are almost always just active during the day. At night, they're typically very sedentary and they're just searching for a place to hide. So the fact that a cobra would be in her bed and bite her at night is almost impossible. They actually, investigators demonstrated this argument by setting up an experiment and they had like a mannequin on a bed at night and they kept throwing a cobra on top of it. And every single time they did it, the snake would just slither away. And the only way they finally got it to bite was they had a piece of chicken breast tied to a limb and they just like kept pushing in this cobra's face and like kept advancing this little piece of chicken on it. And finally, after doing that for a while, they got it to bite that piece of chicken. Jeff, did you have a question? I was just going to say the cobra is very innocent, you know? Yeah. Like if the cobra could testify, I'm sure you'd be like... It couldn't. I did not want to bite her. He made me do it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's a good... That's a really good point. Vishu, her brother, is the one that actually ended up killing the cobra. Uh, Okay, so other suspicious things included the fact that there was no obvious entry point into the room. There wasn't like a good place for a cobra to get in there. And another like really important one is that she slept through a cobra bite. They're extremely painful and just the bite itself. It's like having two hypodermic needles, you know, punched into you and they're bigger than that. So you feel it. It's something that would wake you up if you weren't heavily sedated, which she was. So they also called Vava Suresh, who is the snake catcher that Suraj had watched online in a lot of these videos. And he told the court that during his 30-year career, he had been bitten 16 times by Russell's Vipers and 340 times by Cobras, resulting in excruciating and severe pain. Only three of the Viper Bites and 10 of the Cobra Bites were critical, though, he said. Which, this dude's a bad snake catcher if he's been bitten this many times. Like, (laughs) I didn't look at his videos. 10 billion snakes. I'm sure he has, but so so has my friend Shoya, and so has some of the other snake rescuers that I follow. And they're very, very, very careful not to get bit, and they never are bitten. I think this guy, from the impression I get, he's like kind of turned into a bit of a celebrity, and he's like posing with the snakes and stuff. And I think that's led Uh-oh. to him getting bit a lot more. I kind of want to watch his videos. Like, yeah, this is I'll what that dude name. was doing in his free time. Yeah, that, I'm sure they're crazy. But he said that he, he's had to amputate his left middle finger after a cobra bite. After another bite, he can no longer fully rotate his right wrist. He said that a snake that bites for self-protection would not strike twice because they, they're really cautious about using their venom. 
and he was sure that Uthra would have been woken up had she been bitten if she wasn't sedated. So his testimony was like a pretty important testimony for this case. Also, after she was pronounced dead, as I mentioned, her brother Vishu found the cobra and killed it, and he marked where he had killed it. So they exhumed it, and on a postmortem examination showed that its abdomen was completely empty, which was also very significant because typically snakes take seven days to digest their food, and they feed almost daily. So for it to have a completely empty stomach means that it hadn't eaten in at least seven days, which means that it had been kept in confinement. So they knew that this snake had been kept. Probably, I think, like one of the most damning pieces of evidence was the snake catcher that he had threatened decided to testify. And he told well, yeah. them that he had sold them both of those snakes. <laughs> there um, we go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He like, fuck it up. Uh, he was pardoned. And so he was able to to do that testimony without oh, worrying about himself. Yeah, which honestly, it was definitely the lesser crime. Like he shouldn't be doing that. They should definitely get rid of his license for catching snakes. But as far as criminal charges, the fact that he was willing to testify against this true murderer and like terrible person makes me think that they probably made the right decision parting him. Yeah. Hopefully mm-hmm. he cleared his conscience a bit too by coming yeah. clean. and Totally. Otherwise, it would be so hard to live with that for the rest of your life. Yeah. That he killed a developmentally disabled person with the snakes that you gave him. Like That's pretty yeah. rough. They also called some experts that testified the Russell's viper's bite was also unnatural. They said it was all but impossible for the ground-dwelling snake to navigate the smooth tiles to the first floor of their home where she was bitten. And also, the bite marks were vertical, suggesting she had been bitten while she was lying down. They also told the court that Russell Vipers like arid landscapes, dry landscapes, and their house was built on marshy land. And they said that locals had told the snake experts they hadn't seen a Russell's Viper in the area for 15 years. So, like, all of this evidence really added up. Suraj still pleaded not guilty. The meme, the new meme of Roman, where he's like scrunched in his chair after sending his dad an accidental picture. Dick pic. Yeah, I'm picturing that. What's the guy's name? Suraj. Suraj. That's how I picture him in his chair at court court right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But he still pleaded not guilty. That's incredible. He pleaded not guilty, but he was found guilty on four offenses, including attempted murder and murder. And he was given two life sentences. Good. Her family, Uthra's family, said Suraj was stoic and showed no signs of remorse at the sentencing. Their focus is now to raise Uthra's two-year-old son and teach him what a happy and caring person his mother was. This is a tragic This is one. why I don't think gun laws matter. Like, if you get All rid right, of guns, people are just going to use <laughs> venomous go. snakes to kill people anyways, you know? Yeah, and we've learned it works really well. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. None of us actually believe I'm that. not. Yeah, yeah, none of us are. It's not a real political stance. I'm just making a joke. You know what I thought of is in Jeff's execution episode that we did for Patreon, where people used animals to execute people. They need to bring back the snake pit execution for this guy. They need to throw Siraj in a pit of venomous snakes because that's how this guy's justice. Yeah, he deserves to go that way. Like he needs to know how it feels to get bitten by venomous snakes. Because everyone that I've talked to that's been bitten says that it's like the worst pain that you can imagine. It's just like your skin is on fire. And that's what he deserves. Like maybe I'm being harsh, but he's a bad dude and he deserves to be thrown into a pit snakes. Anyway, all right. 
Yeah. There we go. Okay, yes. <laughs> Noted. All right. I think we should bring that back to like, I could see Texas bringing that back or something. Yeah. Hit a snake's execution. You think maybe he had uh, thought he had some like legal protection. Like, uh, remember that movie Double Jeopardy? Yeah. Yeah. Where <laughs> I'm really curious because he already tried it. once with one oh. snake, but nothing bad happened. He's gonna try yeah, it again. Maybe. They can't get there, him. There wasn't that any like, the same thing twice. You can't be charged for the same crime twice. Genius. Yeah. To be fair, he wasn't ever charged for the Russell's. I mean, uh, these yeah. snake. These were like back to back. He is awful. He didn't even yeah. let her recover from the first bite before trying a second snake. But he is an idiot. Like, how would you not think? Like, she's literally <laughs> in her recovery bed from one snake bite, and then he's like, let's try another one. And like, it, like, of course they're going to think. And it came back to him. It was yeah. so fast to figure out, like, okay, he did it. Yeah. Well, I'm glad they got him. I am too. I hope, you know, he rots in prison, and I hope they decide to throw him in a pit of snakes. All right. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to skip our ouchies because this person just died and it's definitely not respectful. So And for like if, the Jeff and Mike, what would we do? Let's just say like we would get divorced yeah. before <laughs> okay, that ever fine. happened. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go into our categories. We're going to start with our pop culture cobras. Wait, do you guys have any questions about the story or cobras before we do that? Uh yeah. So how how different is like cobra venom? What do you mean? From like each species of cobra. Like, how different is it between the like different species? Like, are some more venomous than yes. others? Some of them and have how, more toxic venom. How high does the spectacle rank? Like, in the more venomous or kind of average or less? I would say probably pretty average. Okay. Let's do the quiz real quick because I'm curious how many types of cobra there are, and I want to see how many you know. Oh, we're doing that quiz. Yeah, oh, the yeah, bet. the bet. Okay. okay. I don't know a ton. I'm just going to say, oh, don't, I guess I shouldn't say that. say okay. anything. Uh, do you want to pick the number or do you want me to, Mike? Uh, you go for it. Okay, I'm going to say he can name eight types of cobra in 23 seconds. Or I guess I'll say seven and a half. Seven and a half in, I'm going to say under. Okay. That's not a lot of time. Under? Okay. So, ready, go. Okay, king cobra, spectacled cobra, monocled cobra, Egyptian cobra, spitting cobra, Cape cobra, snouted cobra, um, forest cobra, Philippine cobra. Time. You got nine. I got nine? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's yeah. more than I would have thought, actually. You said stuff like forest cobra, which I'm kind of like, uh, it sounds like it exists, but... <laughs> The snouted cobra is the Water only one. Water cobra, land cobra, yeah. was snouted jungle cobra. cobra. <laughs> was snouted cobra the one from your- Big old cobra. Your, epi- your news story, Jeff, is that what it was called? Yeah, it's a snouted cobra. Okay. I'm pretty confident about all of those then. Yeah. I'm going to fact check okay. those. All right, Mike, I think you owe me cool. like 25 bucks right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm down bad. I don't think I've won a single one of Sorry, these. Sorry, I kind of misled you. You said you didn't know it, any. They came to me as I was thinking. I feel like this is like Larson collusion against me. It's not me. Larson collusion. This is ridiculous. <laughs> All right. All right, so go. let's get into let's the Let's get into categories. our other categories. Uh, we're going to do our pop culture cobras, so our favorite cobras from pop culture. Okay. I actually picked three this time. And I'm gonna oh, let nice. you guys go first oh. because you might do some of mine. We might take. I one picked of these. three, two, and I'm just gonna name them all right at once. 
Okay. I don't care if you guys picked one. So right. mine are three members of Cobra Kai. <laughs> okay. So Crease, he's he's an honorable yeah. mention. <laughs> and then Johnny Lawrence is an honorable mention. But my favorite Cobra Kai member was Miguel from the new show. I really liked him. And yeah. I just love the symbol of the Cobra on Cobra Kai. Yeah. So, yeah, those are my okay. three pop culture Cobras. Perfect. Mike? Uh, mine is kind of similar in that it's not an actual snake, but I picked the Cobra Commander from G.I. Joe. <laughs> He's sweet. Uh, <laughs> I actually picked Cobras, so this works out perfectly. My favorite is is actually the Cobra that Jafar turns into in Aladdin, just because of like cool. how fast it moves and how like scary it is. That I really liked that Cobra a lot. My second favorite are the Cobras from the animated Ricky Ticky Tavi cartoon, um, which was like a, a book that Rudyard Kipling wrote, and it's about a mongoose that like fights these Cobras. And there's some really cool kind of like late 70s animation in that cartoon, and the Cobras are really like creepy and scary. And then my third is my background right now, which is a Cobra in an episode of The Simpsons. It's like the opening credits and... Uh, Lenny and Carl and Homer and Barney are all in the bar and they're playing like stupid little pranks on Mo and they're all pretty dumb. And then all of a sudden he opens the cash register and a cobra shoots out and bites him like four times. <laughs> and he's like, oh, you got me, the old cobra in the cash register. Uh, and then he starts getting like woozy and stuff. And I always loved that scene. So those are my three favorite pop culture cobras. Nice. You know that scene in Aladdin when Jafar turns into a big snake. That whole sequence is pretty scary. It is. Um but the one the part that made me feel the worst that that I didn't like the most in that scene is when Jasmine smooches Jafar yeah. right in front of Aladdin. I was like, "Oh yeah. man." And she's all hot. I was like 4 and oh, she was yeah. super she hot. My favorite me too. Me too. Definitely. All right. It felt like such a betrayal, even though I knew what she was doing. It still hurt, mm. you know? Yeah. Imagine how Aladdin felt. I'm sure he hated it, Mike. <laughs> Dude, how long do we have to talk about this? <laughs> We're on your side. <laughs> this really did a number on saying. you, huh? So you think her kissing him was worse than him turning into a huge snake and trying to kill Aladdin? Right, because at least I knew Jafar's intentions. I've just had trust issues ever since. You know, it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Was there actually something behind that kiss or what? Yeah. You know, because she, I mean, there's no hesitation. She went. I mean, and he's pretty cool. He just turns into he a is cool. huge yeah. snake. Yeah, I can see why he's he's a girl would like that guy and not me. Cool. You know that meme that's like you and then like the guy she tells you not to worry about? Yeah. Mm. And he, that guy is like a huge snake. I get it. Yeah. The guy looking it. over his yeah. shoulder yeah, at the, the guy girl, looking under his shoulder. Yeah. And that'll be Jasmine. Exactly. And she's looking at Jafar. Someone yeah. make this meme yeah. for us. You know what we're talking <laughs> about. All right. Okay. Did you guys do the quiz like the one right answer, one wrong answer? Or are we yeah. not doing that? Okay. So we launched this this category a while ago, but essentially the boys prepared a question for me. One of them has a fake fact and one of them has a real fact, and I have to pick out which is fake and which is real. Yep. Okay. I'm ready. You choose who says this first. Mike, you go first. Okay. Fact. Or is it? <laughs> a housefly hums in the key of F. Okay. Jeff? Fact. Or is it <laughs> a Mako? Or sorry, wait, Mako. A Mako shark 
can swim four miles an hour backwards? I'm going to say Mike's is fact. Jeff's is fiction. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Wes. Thank you. you did it. How did you know? I don't think Mako sharks can swim backwards that fast. I don't think they can swim backwards at all. Yeah, I just made it up. I have yeah. no idea. Okay. It made me think. That was a good one. I tried to say Mako first because uh-huh. it would seem like I was reading a fact off of my computer. Oh, that's smart. Uh, that's, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're a regular Suraj. Uh-huh. <laughs> smarter though jeff you're yeah. smarter than that guy okay so i thought as kind of a throwback we're gonna do the anaconda scale for this episode uh, it's fitting since we're gonna yeah we're gonna and we're all gonna have the same answer and that's why i wanted to do it so the anaconda scale is one we used to do in our early episodes and essentially we took the characters from the hit movie anaconda uh and we would say which of our which of our story characters they most represented. So like, are they are they uh, Ice Cube, where they're the hero of the story and they did pretty much everything right? Or are they a John Voight, where they, you know, were dastardly and tried to use a snake to kill someone? <laughs> or are they like a Owen. Owen Wilson, who was just really stupid and ended up getting killed by an animal because they did something dumb? So it's a... A question we don't do very often because it kind of went off the rails pretty early. <laughs> but this one, it made sense. Uh, I'm going to give him a John Voight. Uh, yeah, me yeah. too. It just really evil, bad decisions from start to finish. Yeah, and he used a snake to kill people. So John Voight, we all agree. He's uh-huh. a John Voight. Okay. All right, so we're skipping what would Mike and Jeff do because we you guys would it. just get divorced. Yeah. Oh, okay. If I got <laughs> bit by a snake, what would I do? Yeah, let's say that. Let's say you get bit by a cobra. What are you guys going to do? Uh, clear my browser history, go to probably. The hospital. <laughs> yeah, uh, go I to didn't hospital give you a lot of. Right. Yeah, it is the right answer. So we've talked a bit about what you actually should Trips do if you're, if you're bitten by a snake. But really, the, there are a few things you shouldn't do that I want to say first. So, first of all, don't try and pick up the snake or like capture it so you can show them what kind of snake it was if you have the opportunity to snap a quick photo of it that could help but don't try and catch it or kill it don't apply a tourniquet don't try and like cut the wound open to suck out the venom or like cut it for any other reason don't try and apply ice don't try and give them alcohol as a painkiller and then some people think that you can like use electric shock or caffeine to help with it too oh those things don't work don't do any of those things so what if, the thing, if it bites your hand and you, how long would you have to chop your arm off before the poison gets to like your heart? I don't know. That could work, but I wouldn't do it because there's a very <laughs> good chance go the hospital they'll be, be able fine. to save your arm at the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so like the best information I ever heard about snake bites is that the number one, the number one thing you want to help you out with a snake bite is your car keys. That's what you need. Your phone and your car keys. You want to call the hospital. To stab it with them. And you want to go to the hospital. (laughs) No, not to stab it with your car keys. Killing snakes doesn't Cut off your arm with your keys. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So what you should remember is if you do, like, try and remember what the snake looks like. If you have the option to get a photo, get a photo. Keep the person who's been bitten still and calm. You don't want their blood pumping faster than it needs to be. And then just get to the hospital as soon as possible. So... If you can't get them to the hospital right away, you're going to want them to lay down and put the bite below the level of their heart 
You're going to want to keep them calm. You're going to wash that wound as much as possible, and you're going to cover it with a dry, clean dressing. That's really all you can do. There's not much else that helps. Getting them to the hospital and getting anti-venom is the thing that's going to save their life. Take off and their like limbs. rings and watches in case. Yeah, they you can sweat take off up. stuff. Yep, exactly. Oh, yeah. That's good advice. Good job remembering that. Okay, boy scout. So that's you. Yeah, good job, <laughs> Eagle Scout. Okay, so that's what you're supposed to do if you're bitten by a cobra. So let's put cobras into our cage match. What do you guys Ooh. think? So what? How big are they? Yeah, we so got to get the weight class. Common is three to five feet long. Okay. Yeah, let's take a so big pretty small. Like, let's take like a six footer though. Okay, we'll say a six footer. I think again, like we had this problem with the rattlesnakes. They have the potential to kill a lot of our animals, but then they're also going to be killed by those animals. That's the thing. Like, even if they kill an animal, they're gonna lose before they kill it. You know, right? You got to be careful though, because even if you think you killed the snake, sometimes it's not dead. Remember when the guy cut the head off of the snake, and yeah, ten minutes later, exactly. it still got him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're like That's they're true. like Obi Wan Kenobi, like come back stronger than you could ever possibly have imagined. Or Darth Maul. Obi Wan you know? Kenobi didn't come back, did he? Oh, he he, he, he was dead, him, and then yeah, he like him dead was a lot more powerful than him alive. I don't know yeah. about that. Uh-huh. Just because he is like a ghost that said like one sentence of <laughs> advice after he'd like already. No, he showed up and helped him fight saved. too, didn't what? he? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> you think Obi-Wan was just posturing? <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about. I'm getting he mixed up anything. with like Harry he just Potter let and Vader all these kill other him movies. And, yeah. yeah, you're thinking Fair Dumbledore. Enough. Anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, cage match. <laughs> huh. Yeah. I think there's very few of our animals that it kills without being killed. I think it can kill our rattlesnake. I think it can kill our funnel web spider. Our chimpanzee, poss- nah, chimpanzee's going to kill it. What are the main animals in the wild that like go after cobras? Mongoose, right? Yeah, mongoose will kill them. Honey badgers. Mongoose are sweet. There's, yeah, there's like a, there's a number of birds that will kill them too that are immune to snakes. Like venom. see them as prey? Yeah, that like well, will try and kill them. Is this, uh, I have always heard this, but king cobras are called that because they kill cobras, right? Yeah, king like cobras eat will eat other snakes and other cobras. Mm. So there's other snakes that'll kill them. There's birds that'll kill them. There's mammals that'll kill them. Like there's a fair number of animals that'll kill them. Can they kill mongoose? Is that like a good fight they or can. mongoose? Well, okay. mongoose are mostly immune to their venom, but it is possible for snakes to kill a mongoose still. Okay. Um, I think as far as our cage match goes, the only animals they're like probably not even capable of killing, they probably couldn't kill a hippo. They probably couldn't kill an orca. So some of our like really big animals, I think our even if they get bit- are going to survive. Even if they get bit a couple times, they're probably not going to die. But I think there's very few of our animals that they can kill without being killed themselves. And that's really just like the rattlesnake, the spider. Monitor lizard? Mm. Maybe. I think their skin is so thick that they'd have a hard time getting them. But maybe. Mm. Anyway, should we get to some listener questions and Patreon questions? Yeah. I say we do. Okay. Patreon questions. So this (laughs) is from Gracie. Considering how often Jeff mispronounces words on the pod, are there any words or phrases that you guys can't stand hearing mispronounced? Example, wolf, woof, milk, milk, pillow, pillow. That's real. Or any on the contrary, any words that you like saying wrong on purpose? Jeff has to answer first. I don't get mad at anyone for ever mispronouncing words. (laughs) I just don't think... I can. 
Like, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be very hypocritical of me to get you mad probably at someone. Just think like oh am i saying that wrong yeah i'm like oh I'm <laughs> i was talking with a friend and she was saying she asked me how i say pecan for pecan uh-huh. pie yeah pecan and she's like do you say pecan or pucan i was like <laughs> what, what? <laughs> pucan? no yeah <laughs> weird so like it, she was serious about it uh-huh um my hardest word to say is well i have a couple but the one that I get most nervous is aluminum. I think oh, I did pretty it. Pretty good there. Yeah, 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 yeah you right. did it real yeah. well. I would say, Gracie, thanks for the question, first of all. And I would say that like the ones you listed are some of the worst ones for me. I hate when people say woof for wolf. I hate oh, that one. So bad. I hate milk for milk. And I put, mostly hate that one because I used to say milk and I had to train myself not to. And so now it really bothers me when I hear milk. The only Do you one remember that... why we started saying milk and pillow correctly? Why? Because one day I was just like being normal, like normal everyday life. And Mike just explodes at me like so <laughs> mad. And he's like, why the hell do you always say milk? Milk is such a good word. And you always say milk. And like, I didn't even realize I was saying it wrong my entire yeah. life. So I was uh-huh. just so like taken aback. Back. <laughs> <laughs> but then I realized he was right. And then I told you about it and you were like, oh, I say milk and I say pillow. And then you started saying it uh, huh. the right I way. I feel like too. it was a longer. Okay. I thought it was a long time ago that I stopped saying milk, but maybe I'm misremembering. I've done some good in the world. The only one that Jeff ever mispronounces that bugs me is when you say ultimate Instead of ultimate, that's ultimate. For whatever reason, that one just gets me. Ultimate. When he's like, "Hey, I'll take the ultimate cheeseburger," and I'm like, "It's ultimate, ultimate, <laughs> not ultimate." That's he did it earlier one, in this episode. He uh, he said andaconda. Andaconda. Yeah. <laughs> you know what really bugged me in our Patreon episode we did not too long ago? Both of you said orangutang. And that's just not it. There's no G there. I know. That's a common one, though. I could go for hours on this one. I'll keep it short. So don't never, no one should ever say warsh instead of wash or crick instead of creek. These are all like old timey prospecty ones, (laughs) like prospector. But I try not to get impatient with people that mispronounce words unless I know that they know better. Yeah. Because a lot of times it's people that are reading and just have never heard the word said out loud. So, you know. Give them a little time to learn and to grow. And, it can uh, be regional yeah. stuff. Feel too. like you're like, talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, thanks for the someone question. wrote in and oh. someone commented and said that they also say ornament instead or- of ornament. I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. Ornament. Ornament. Yeah. Ultimate. All right. <laughs> ultimate. The ultimate ornament. All right. So from Flan and Hendrick. Hey fellas, question for y'all. What's your favorite animal, animal moment, animal attack from The Simpsons? So it can be one of those three options. Uh, Got it. I'll go first. My favorite is when it's the Homer Badman episode, and it's when Homer's been accused of sexually harassing that girl where he pulls the gummy Venus de Milo off her butt, and uh they're like showing all the different talk shows that are talking about how he's bad, and one of the talk shows is just called Ben, and it's gentle Ben the grizzly bear who's the host. <laughs> yeah. And he like goes up and he has a microphone on his head and a woman answers a question. And then he like runs into the table full of food 
and they have to dart him and he like hits someone out of his way and it's just pandemonium and that's my favorite animal moment from the simpsons plus animal attack from the simpsons mine's probably the also a bear but it's the bear that's just like in their front yard yeah and uh and like homer tries to like shimmy across like an electric wire to get to his car and he just falls right next to it and it just still just sits there and doesn't care at all and then like someone comes and like tranquilizes it but they just like make it act like such an intense situation and the bear's just like sitting there minding its own business the whole time yeah and then they have the bear patrol afterward that has like the Uh stealth bomber and everything yeah (laughs) mike you have a favorite yeah, the one I always think about is the episode where Homer is trying to get into shape and he's hitting the boxing bag and a little fly comes and lands on the boxing bag and he like punches it and, and it the fly off. just like flies away again. Yeah. Like <laughs> I don't know why. I've just yeah. always thought that was the funniest thing. I like that one too. Um that's the boxing episode. That's the one where he's yeah. like becoming a boxer. Yeah. Oh, that that's, that's right when Mo is like, "Hey, maybe you shouldn't be punching and you're just going to like tire him out." Yeah. Cool. Good question. Good Great pull question. on that, Mike. That's a that's not where my mind would ever went. Yeah. All right. So from Carissa, she has a separate question for everyone. Wes, yours is what's the difference between a black and brown widow spider and how deadly are they really? Uh, I don't know the difference between a black and brown widow. Uh, so this one's for Mike, and she wants to know why you hate horses so much. Um, yeah, I realize I didn't go over an exhaustive list of why I hate them so much back in our horse episode, but I I just think they're really gross and dumb animals, is the bottom line. I don't like the way they look. <laughs> they're weird, like, gross, sinewy legs and muscles and their stupid faces. <laughs> the fact when you feed them, they just, like, slobber all over your hand. Uh, I just, like, nothing about them is appealing to me. Riding them sucks. You get all saddle sore and you're all bouncy. <laughs> just ride a bike. I just, <laughs> just hate everything about horses. <laughs> Whenever I can give you the green light to talk about horses, I'm going to take that opportunity. And then, Jeff, how do you feel about a pizuki? Uh, I think (laughs) pizukis are so delicious. Yeah, One of my favorite desserts ever, and I would classify it for sure as one dessert. Oh, that's a good question. Hold on, wait. (laughs) Just like cake and ice cream. Again, the intention of the chef was to make that as one dessert. It's a pizuki. It's one dessert. It's cookies and ice cream. You can intend to make cake and ice cream as one dessert. Fair enough. But in the way that I asked you that question, that's not how it was. Like, I think the chef is the one that decides. And if it's like, today I'm serving up cake a la mode or whatever, fine. But if it's like, you have a thing of ice cream and a thing of cake, and like, you get to pick one of those two, you can't combine them for one dessert in my question that I asked you. You can't, like, go to the grocery store. Okay, well, let's refresh this really quick. My question for Jeff initially was, if you could pick one dessert for the rest of your life, what would it be? And he said cake and ice cream, and I was like, no, that's two desserts. But had I said cake a la mode, you would have been like, okay. No, probably not. But had you said pizuki, I would have been. Yeah, dude, you gotta, you gotta. It's a flawed question, I get it. But I still, I'm you gotta just to my accept guns. my answer. No, I don't just accept, accept your answer. It. I never will. All right, so let's do some listener questions. We're taking our time on the questions. Yeah, there. we are. <laughs> uh, this one can be quick. I think. What is everyone's favorite Pokemon? Uh, Pikachu. 
I never got that into Pokemon, so I'm just going to mm. say Pikachu. Pikachu's your favorite. Sure. I'm going Bulbasaur. Mine is Wartortle. Nice. Uh, the, <laughs> we're all gen 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 one pokemon look at us yeah. we're all old boomers we're definitely not boomers <laughs> um from mishy pop i think i've said hers before and i probably said it completely different this time but maybe one of the two i got it right how long do you guys think you could last in the show alone i think i can make it pretty long and alone mostly because you know I feel the like show we- mike yeah, I would. I'd make it five minutes and be ready. <laughs> Just be like, come I'd, get to give up get the on ghost. the radio and be like, come yeah. get me. I feel like I do pretty good, like not eating very much. And then I feel like most of the people that leave that show leave because they get so lonely. And I don't. I think I'm pretty good with that. I think I could go yeah. pretty long. My problem with shows like that is that I know I won't be the winner. So like. Why? That's the thing. Like you know, someone there's just like super yeah. That's the good, mental game. Ready to go. Like for sometimes years. the people that win aren't the people you'd expect. It's always um, like a person who like if anyone ever kills like a deer, like they win. Right. If someone gets big game, they're gonna win. Yeah. Uh. So from Carly W. In which states in the U.S. does it stay warm enough for bears not to go into hibernation? Uh. So for sure, like some of those southeastern states, like Florida southern georgia those places they can go without hibernating i'm not sure about like the bears around la and in the foothills in southern california i imagine they still hibernate and it is important to just note that the pregnant females are going to hibernate no matter what um so Mm. even in florida and whatnot if a bear is pregnant and she knows she's going to have cubs she's going to dig a den and go into a den so oh um, interesting yeah so they always do. They'll always den up. But um, in Florida, For like, like how long if it's warm? Uh, they'll go in in like November and come out in like March, just like our bears. Okay. The reason the other bears hibernate, ones that aren't pregnant, is because there's no food available to them in the winter. But if they're in a place it's warm and there's plenty of vegetation and food, they just won't hibernate. So, yeah. Sorry, that's All not right, the best answer. Tosh Baranov, uh, what's the weirdest Christmas gift you've ever received? Wes, you got me like a ten dollar foot massager from foot foot from spa Walmart. from Walmart. <laughs> it's yes. just like you didn't have a present for me yet, and bought like the first interesting thing you saw at Walmart. That was just and the it, worst present you've ever gotten. I tried one time, and yeah. well, it was, it was weird too. I think the weirdest present I've ever given you was this. I gave him a big fake scorpion and like punched a bunch of holes in a box when he was really oh, little. Yeah. And acted told like it me, had like, this live animal in it and told him it was alive. I thought I was getting careful. the pet. And then when he opened it, he got really scared because there was a scorpion in there. I, I thought it was so really scared. funny. And like, it was just a jerk. Like, <laughs> like my Christmas present. present from you was just a prank. A prank, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I can't think of my weirdest, but that's the weirdest I've given for sure. Mike, you got anything? Uh, just religious literature, like yeah. a Jehovah's Witness pamphlet. I always think that's a little weird. Someone um, gave you that for Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> weird. Yeah. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah. Just that like, wins. not that I'm like, oh, stupid religion, whatever. And it's just like. It's a weird uh, gift to give Like someone. a pamphlet as a gift. Maybe give me a Bible or something. I don't know. Whatever. Even then. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Okay. Well, that's it for listener questions. Thanks, everyone, for sending them in. Thanks especially to our patrons because we want to answer all of your questions. And that's just part of what you get for being a patron and, and helping us out. So. Thanks again. All right. So should we move on? Probably. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. You're, you're running the show, intro. dude. All right. So we're going to do how are we messing things up for them? 
So this is kind of a tricky one. Cobras spect- kind of doing good in cities. Yeah. So spectacled cobras are doing really well. They're not even, as far as IUCN listing goes, they're not evaluated because they just kind of know there's plenty of them. But they are an animal that is being misused by people and brutalized in some cases. So does the- them thinking they're kind of like a spiritual religious animal make it so that they kill them less often? It does, but it also, it's created the whole snake charmer subculture in India and hobby. And so like snake charming is something that I think we grew up with thinking was like really unique and interesting, but it's actually really, really bad for the snakes. And I worked with an Indian nonprofit called Wildlife SOS, and they do a lot of rescues of snakes that snake charmers are using. And snake charming is actually illegal in India now, but it still happens and especially happens during a certain month and a certain uh, celebration. And I'm going to read what Wildlife SOS says about their snake rescues and kind of what happens to these snakes when they're being used by snake charmers. So what they say is the month Shravan, sorry, Shravan, I'm probably saying that wrong, is sacrosanct for Hindu devotees across different parts of North India as they flock to temples to pray for prosperity. However, right outside the temple, men who claim to be sages have their tangerine-colored bags filled with snakes. Snakes are associated with the Hindu god Lord Shiva, and devotees who are otherwise petrified of snakes never hesitate to bow down to them during this time and offer them milk. Many people are oblivious to the fact that the desperation out of which a snake drinks the milk offered to them is because they're dehydrated and are not allowed any movement. Snake charmers sew their mouths shut, leaving just a small gap for them to drink any liquid, which is why devotees offer milk with honey and saffron. The traumatized snake laps it all up. Unlike mammals, snakes do not have the natural ability to break down the milk enzyme, which reacts gravely to their body, resulting in poisoning and a painful death. The most common ailments of rescued snakes from Wildlife SOS are severe dehydration, starvation, broken and infected fangs in the case of venomous snakes like cobras, and even serious bacterial infection. The crude method of defanging a snake or removing their venom glands with the help of a knife puts the life of the snake at grave risk and ensures that they're never able to survive in the wild again. So these snake charmers aren't good to these snakes. They sew their mouths no. shut. They break their fangs yeah, off. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, they get their venom glands out with a knife. They're in really, really bad shape when they're rescued. It's a terrible practice. I know it has some cultural significance and it's hard, you know, with those cultural things to kind of walk that line. But there's ways to to worship snakes or to worship Shiva without brutalizing an animal. So it needs to end. It's a practice that needs to end. So don't ever give money or milk or any of those things to snake charmers because it's it's bad for the snakes. It's and it's not just bad. It's torture. Okay. All right. Good to know. Hey, All right. I have one last question. I just thought of. Yeah. You probably have said this before, but with cobras, so when they inject venom into someone, uh, how does that happen? Like, where where does the... The venom doesn't go through the tooth. It goes around the outside of the tooth? No, it goes through the tooth. The tooth is like a hypodermic needle. And then it, like, comes out of the tooth and squirts into their body? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Haven't we talked about this? I thought so. Yeah. They have, uh-huh. like... They have ducks in their teeth, and it's like a hypodermic needle. It comes out of their venom glands, and it's injected into the into the body. Okay. Uh, how much do we like this animal? So let's give it our claw ratings. I'm going to start because mine's going to be pretty obvious. This is a 10 claw animal for me. I got to handle one. 
I think they're one of the most beautiful animals. They're my favorite snake, probably. If I were to get a tattoo, a cobra would be one of the first tattoos I would get. So they're a ten claw animal. I absolutely love them. Is spectacled cobra your favorite type of cobra? Yes. Yep. I'll give them a nine. I I think they're awesome. I think they're really beautiful. Uh, snakes in general, I think, are really really interesting and fun and cool to handle and just be around. And uh, I'd like one. I'd like one for my own. <laughs> okay. I'd like to own one. Well, I don't think you should, but I'm glad you would like to. I'm gonna give it a <laughs> nine and a half. It's higher than I thought. It's my favorite type of cobra for sure, is a spectacled cobra. And I think they're like the prettiest cobra. And I think cobras are really cool. I'm going to put it at 41. Okay. That's pretty good. Nice. Cool. We all like cobras. Missed out on that illustrious Jeff's top 40. Just barely, though. (laughs) Just barely. All right. Well, uh, thanks, guys, for listening to the story. Uh, Thanks, Mickey, again, for sending in that story. Uh, It's a really good one. It was really interesting to research. And... um, Thanks to all you listeners. Thanks, everyone out there for listening. Special thanks to our patron members. Uh, we are going to, at some point this holiday season or directly after, we're taking a little break from doing main episodes, just like a week or two break. But we are going to be posting Patreon episodes throughout. So if you're going to need your fix, sign up for Patreon. You get access to all of our catalog of bonus episodes uh, if you sign up at the Grizzly or Tiger tier. And if you sign up at the Tiger tier, you're also going to get some cool merch sent out to you. So go ahead and sign up for that. And everyone have a happy holiday. All right. Especially you two. Yeah. Have fun we'll see you in soon. San Diego. All right. <laughs> I will. And I'll see you soon in Utah. Oh, uh, I can't Sounds wait. Good. Get right. the band back together. Post-Christmas, <laughs> yep. we're going to be feeling good. To show our gifts to each other. We're going to, you know. We'll see who got the Christmas almond. Oh, man. I can't <laughs> wait to tell you all. All right. We'll see you guys. See you guys. See you. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time. You reached the end of the episode, and you know what that means. It means we're about to shout out all of our new patrons by name. You guys are all incredibly generous, and it bears repeating. It's literally the only reason we're able to keep doing what we do here. So, yeah, a thank you it seems like it just doesn't do it justice at this point, does it? So, thank you so much to Jesse, Bethany, Alex, Nigel, Emma, Callie, Keegan, Waylon, Travis, Leanne, Anna, Jody, Jake, Sonia, Camille, Thomas, Amanda, Tracy, Rosie, Jade, Erica, Sophia, Lee, Jeff, Emily, Bill Paxton, loved your work in Twister, uh, Sinead, I think that's probably how that's pronounced, I just know, you know who I'm talking about, Sinead, Sinead. Uh, we also have Adam, Fiona, Josh, Becca, Cassie, Kevin, Jay Faraday, Dana, Seabear, Carissa, Sophie, Bowen, Casey, Holly, Paul, Jack, Nubia, Caitlin, Miranda, Morgan, Lauren, Cronopio, Georgia, Layla, Jonna, M, Kate, Jared, Meredith, Tommy, Maya, Darren, Rebecca, Sam, Brooke, Josh, Victor, Dana, and that's it. Whoa, incredible. Overwhelming amount of support. And we hope you guys are enjoying uh, what we do over on Patreon. We we do try to take our time and make the bonus content we release over there high quality, or at least entertaining enough to justify uh, the money that you guys are giving us. So we really do appreciate it. And we will catch you over in the DMs on Patreon. If you ever want to just talk or you have a question or anything. 
And also, we'll catch you in the next bonus episode. Thanks again. See you guys. Whether you're in a relationship, single, or recently heartbroken, you could be navigating some tough stuff. And it really can be challenging to do this on your own. We all need help when it comes to our relationships, very specifically, our love lives. I'm Jillian, and each week on my podcast, Jillian on Love, I share skills on how to strengthen our relationships, how to build a stronger sense of self, and how to heal heartbreak and choose better partners. Learn how to start making change today and search for Jillian on Love wherever you're listening now.